I'll tell you one thing. Backer's leadership is awfully good at saying a lot while saying nothing. Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. I'm your host, John Delray. Yes, that's right. If you if you took the week off last week, if you just needed some time to mourn, I very much understand. But yes, we are back here at Lombardi Time Brews. I'm going to be putting out content all off-season long, including next week. But just a heads up, like I mentioned earlier this week, I will take a week off coming soon. I'll let you know when that's coming. Uh, I've, I really love that a number of people have reached out and tell me how watching the show has been built into their weekly schedule. I really love that. I appreciate it endlessly, um, whether it be doing dishes or on a work break or whatever. So thank you for checking out Lombardi Time Brews. You can bank on the fact that it's going to be here all off-season long with maybe just a week here or there that I take off to go do some other things and take what time I have and dedicate it elsewhere. So... Today, we got a couple different things to talk about. One, I have five major takeaways from Brian Goodekun's press conference this morning. Yes, just this morning, uh, Friday morning, he gave a press conference that was his end-of-season wrap-up. In it, he talked about uh, some the status of some of the players under contract, um, speculated on players who are not under contract, and then also talked a little bit about the draft and contract. So I have five major takeaways from that that I'm going to be addressing. In addition to that, I'm going to finish up the uh, series that I started by declaring the positional MVPs for those on defense. Um, this is just data that I pulled, kind of plucked one player from each position that truly stood out as the most important player at that position for the 2022 season. So let's talk first about Brian Gutekun's press conference. You know, first of all, I will say uh, the timing, we know that Aaron Rodgers has met with the Packers brass all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday. We knew that already from both internal reporting, Pat McAfee saying it, like we knew that, right? And so now we have Brian Gutekunst out there on a Friday morning detailing in his view some of the trajectory of the team, as well as reflecting on what happened this year. The reason why this press conference is more noteworthy in some regards than Matt LaFleur's is because we don't hear from Brian Gutekunst nearly that often. You know, when when Brian Gutekunst took over for Ted Thompson, there was a lot of speculation that, ah, we finally have a GM that we're going to hear from more than like twice, three times a year. No, we don't. No, we don't. (laughs) <laughs> that never changed. We barely get to hear from Brian Gutekunst, but here in this particular instance, we did. And he did have some interesting things to say. Number one, I'm going to say he seemed downright expecting that David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones are back. These are the two players on the Packers roster that is probably most speculated are going to get outright released because of escalating cap numbers. David Bakhtiari coming in at, I believe, at like a 29 number. Aaron Jones coming in at 20. But the savings for each is also not that large in the grand scheme of things, but still widely speculated that these are two veterans that could be cut, especially if Aaron Rodgers does not return. Brian Gutekinds did not seem to share that attitude. He'd said in in terms of both of them uh, separately, but in both he said something along the lines of, I certainly expect him back. 
we know from Brian Gutekunst's history that he really doesn't say that so certainly if a player is in the conversation of getting cut. I mean, remember Zadarius Smith last year? That was an interesting situation because of some personal factors there as well. But when it came to Z, Brian Gutekunst talked at his year-end conference about how, like, there's some things that we have to work out there, etc. And Z was under contract. So Dave Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, he never made mention of like, yeah, we're going to address this with Aaron, see what he says. He never made mention of, well, you know, David Bakhtiari has had his injury concerns, so we're going to be talking to him about the future. He never said anything like that. He just said, I expect both of them back. In regards to David Bakhtiari specifically, he did talk about the injury, and he also talked about how David seemed to get into this really good rhythm of keeping that knee stable. Again, that's indicative of a guy that you probably want on your roster. Not to mention the fact that if you cut David Bakhtiari, it only saves $5.7 million off of your cap. Unless you do a post-June 3rd cut. But then they got to carry the money. I, all the cap stuff, right? But look, it sounded a lot like he's expecting both of those players back. What that can't be said, the same for is player number two, or topic number two, Mason Crosby. You know, after the season, Mason Crosby was asked, his contract is up. He's an unrestricted free agent, but he was asked, do you want to come back? Are you retiring? Etc. And at the time, at least in post-game, he, he sounded downright confident, like, yes, I want to come back. I want to continue kicking. I want to play in Green Bay. When Brian Gutekunst was asked today, he didn't share that optimism. He just talked about how, yes, we need to evaluate the position. Now, so a lot of people took that to mean, uh-oh, Mason's not coming back, or the Packers moving on, whatever. Frankly, I took that to be he wasn't going to speculate about a player who's not under contract. Maybe I'm reading too far into it, but Brian Gutekunst does seem to have a pattern of saying evaluate when it comes to players not under contract. This could have been a negotiating tactic. Who knows, right? But at the end of the day, the Packers' general manager did not sound uber confident nor confirm that Mason Crosby will be the Packers' kicker next year if he wants to continue playing. Take it for what it is. Leading us to number three, the wide receiver position. Brian Goodikins did make mention of the wide receiver position and hoping to have a veteran addition there. Again, Take it for what it's worth. Number four, we know that the Packers are very tight up against the cap. And Brian Gutekunst, I, I thought this was very interesting because he normally doesn't say things that he doesn't have to, right? Say things that don't serve a purpose. Well, today he kind of threw out a little nugget and it could be taken as a joke. But at the end of the day, what he said was, we're probably going to restructure everyone. For the last two years, we've been restructuring contracts left and right to get more cap room. And, and then he said, with a smile... We're probably doing everybody this year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options on the table. The Packers can clear a ton of room by restructuring contracts. But again, keep in mind with a restructured contract, all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. The Packers are going to have to pay those contracts eventually. Because, as a reminder, again, restructuring a contract does not actually reduce the player's pay. When you see that David Bakhtiari has restructured his contract, he is not taking a pay cut. He is not getting less money. All that means is that the Packers are able to shuffle around what year or when that money is charged against their cap. 
And, and David Bakhtiari specifically created a whole stir with this. I believe it was last offseason when it was announced that he was that that the Packers were restructuring his contract. And then he put out a gif or a gif, however you want to say it, basically saying, you're welcome. And fans were like, oh, my God, thank you for taking a pay cut. He didn't take a pay cut. In fact, he had nothing to do with it at all. It's a paperwork move that just shuffles money from year to year. Don't don't fall for that nonsense. Okay. But Brian Gutekunst did acknowledge that there's going to be a lot of restructuring this year. Going to happen a lot. We're kicking the can down the road again. Because one thing we can say with absolute certainty, and I wasn't willing to make this its own bullet, but we do know it, is it looks like the Packers, regardless of what happens with Aaron Rodgers, regardless of what happens with any of the free agents, the Green Bay Packers are not entering into a mass rebuild next year. They're not. They're preparing to kick the can farther down the road and make sure that this team remains competitive, whether it's Jordan Love under center or Aaron Rodgers, or whether anyone's back. Which leads us to number five. Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. Now, I'll start with Jordan Love. He did say, in the context of Jordan Love, that Jordan Love, that they believe that he is ready to play. Okay, interesting. Now, with Aaron Rodgers, he said, you know, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this without like actually showing a clip of Brian Gunnikins talking. But here's what you have to take away. With Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari, he said, we certainly expect them back. With Aaron Rodgers, he said, well, really, it's predominantly Aaron Rodgers' decision. We'll take him back, but like it's it's Aaron Rodgers' decision, right? And that's a much different tone, and I think that's really important to note here. Because look, what are we doing right now? It's the offseason. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to decide. We don't know what the Packers are going to decide. Certainly not a week after a devastating loss to Detroit. So we, we try to figure it out, right? We try to figure out what's going on in these meetings. We try to know what the future of the team is because that's what we do as fans. And realistically, we're not going to know. So we're going to speculate. And Brian Gutekunst's language usage, of course, was very different when it came to David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones versus Aaron Rodgers. Now, I've seen some people say that it's just ironclad that the Packers are sticking with Rodgers because he at least said we would take him back. Okay. I've also seen people say that because he wasn't as confident, like it came to David Bakhtiar and Aaron Jones, that Brian Gutekunst personally is ready to move on and get rid of Aaron Rodgers. When the truth is probably a lot simpler. I don't think we need to go full-on psychic here and read the mind. I think, based upon what he said, and you can go check out the interview for yourself, you can check out other people's analysis, I think we're making this way more complicated than it is. I think if you were to ask Brian Gutekunst right now, today, who is the better quarterback? Right now. Put him in a competition. Who's the better quarterback? Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love? And I think, you know, like... I think he says Aaron Rodgers. So he's going to stick with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback right now. Doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers is the one that's more worthwhile to hang on to when you're evaluating cap and potential and future. It, it doesn't mean that Jordan Love is a bad quarterback either. I think what this means is that Brian Gutekunst is looking at both and saying, Aaron Rodgers, today, regardless of all other circumstances, because when it comes to money, we will figure it out. We can kick the can, we can do this, we can do this, we can do that. We will figure it out. What I want right now is the best product on the field. And when it comes down to it, Aaron Rodgers, today, is a superior quarterback to Jordan Love. Jordan Love, at this time, 
The ceiling on 24-year-old Jordan Love may be higher than that of 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers, but we're not talking ceilings, we're talking what they do right now. And so, Gutekunst is going to say things like, we're sticking with Aaron Rodgers. Assuming Rodgers wants to come back. And Rodgers, we know from his postgame, he said, assuming the Packers want me back. It's an inevitable game of chicken that they're playing here. So the question is, do they actually both want to be back? Or continue the relationship? I don't think Aaron Rodgers gets traded. He sure as hell doesn't get cut. I think it's Green Bay or nothing, just like it was last year, realistically. But when it comes to Jordan Love, the other thing that I've seen is a lot of Packer fans have been saying that the Packers are doing wrong by Jordan Love. If Aaron Rodgers indeed comes back, don't be shocked if Jordan Love requests a trade. Because he doesn't want to sit on the bench for a fourth year. And that's all well and good. But realistically, here's what I think some people are failing to realize. Jordan Love is entering the fourth year of his contract. The Packers, in all likelihood, given the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers and the fact that they still could trade him, are probably going to pick up Jordan Love's fifth-year option. Plus, Hylid Al Rodgers is playing more than one, more than two years. So if the Packers are willing to make the financials work, no matter what it looks like in order to keep these two, then they could do it. Okay, so you've got Jordan Love on his fourth year next year. You've got the fifth-year option. Then after that, assuming Jordan Love is the starter, you've got franchise tag one and franchise tag two. Realistically, yes, Jordan Love is coming towards the end of his initial four-year contract. But because of the fifth-year option, because of franchise tags, the Green Bay Packers still own the rights to Jordan Love's playing career for at least four years. Which means this offseason... If Aaron Rodgers decides to come back and Jordan Love is pissed because he wants to go play, and I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, I'm saying if he is pissed and he requests a trade, the Packers don't necessarily have to care. They have all of the leverage in this situation, barring a holdout from Jordan Love. But a holdout for a guy who's started, what, one game? May not look the best. So I'm saying, no matter which way you think they're going to go, no matter which way you think they may go, what they should do, etc. Because I certainly have my personal opinions, but I'm not diving into them today. The point is, the, both quarterbacks can coexist on the roster, and the Packers can make the financials work. They may not like it, but at the end of the day, the Packers hold the leverage. Now, we have no idea what's going to happen. None. I'm not sure the Packers know what's going to happen. But I do think that, one, fans care way more about the cap than the Packers do. And I think, two, fans are making this way more complicated than the Packers are. Because the Packers are probably overjoyed that they have a four-time MVP that wants to continue playing quarterback while they got a young buck who's the heir apparent. And no matter how long that goes on for, they're probably just fine with that. And if that means they're going to ruffle some feathers along the way, as long as they can manage the relationship enough, they're just fine with it. And I think that's what a lot of people are missing here. Like, they may ruffle some feathers, but the Packers are fine with it. They certainly ruffled Aaron Rodgers, and guess what? He's back. I mean, like last year and the year before. So... They don't really have to care when a player gets angry. Sorry, I... Whether they do right or wrong by that player, they don't really have to care in this situation because they can keep both as long as they want, at least for four more years. So...
Now, moving on from that, who are the defensive MVPs of this roster? I'm going to go through this fairly quick. I know a lot of people don't feel like looking back on this season because the season was a failure, but let's at least look at it a little, okay? Um, Number one, the interior defensive line. I don't think this is a difficult pick. It's Kenny Clark. Um, Look, he's the best player in this position. He's one of the best at it in the NFL. Yes, he disappeared for a month. He always seems to disappear for a month, but he still had a hell of a season. The only other one that I really considered for this, Jerron Reed had some nice contributions as a veteran, but he's really not of this tier. The only one that, that I thought about was Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt finished with a higher PFF grade and pass rush win rate than any other rookie interior defensive line. Or actually, no, I'm saying that wrong. I read my notes incorrectly. Sorry, sorry. Devontae Wyatt finished with a higher PFF grade than Kenny Clark. Ah, there we go. Finished with a higher PFF grade than Kenny Clark and had a higher pass rush win rate than any other rookie defensive lineman. It's a heck of a rookie year. And yes, the Packers waited too long to actually play him regularly. It's a shame that it took a Dean Lowry injury to get your first round pick on the field, especially when the first round pick was making more flashes than Dean Lowry. But nonetheless, Kenny Clark is the most valuable interior defensive lineman on the Green Bay Packers without a doubt. Looking at the outside linebacker or the edge position, Preston Smith had a pretty good year, certainly above average. Rashawn Gary was on a tear up until his injury, but the true MVP of that position happens to be rookie fifth round pick Kingsley Enegbare. Yes, his 15.2% pass rush win rate was the highest of all rookie edges. Yeah, that's, ph- that's phenomenal. Fifth round pick who's out doing first round picks. It's great. He had 25 pressures and three sacks. When Rashawn Gary went down, he bailed out the Packers pass rush. Yes, Joe Barry had to call way more blitzes. Yes, Joe Barry had to adjust. Of course he did. That's what happens when you lose one of your top three defensive players. But the job that Kingsley Enigbari did coming in as a rookie was tremendous. And he certainly is a part of their future. At the inside linebacker position, Devondre Campbell suffered an injury and he lost quite a bit of time. But Quay Walker is the MVP here. Yes, Quay Walker, the the hater of non-uniformed people on the field. Um, Sorry, had to get it in there. But realistically, Quay Walker had a heck of a year. He had 41 stops this year, according to PFF. He was third in coverage grade. He had 12 pressures, which is the most among non-edge rookies, according to PFF. He also had three forced fumbles. Yes, Quay Walker still has issues diagnosing running plays, understanding where he's going on the field, but when he locks onto a target and pursues, he is getting really good. Like, to a really good point. Better than most veterans in the NFL kind of good. So Quay Walker is a huge star in the making for this defense. At the cornerback position, Jair Alexander. Yeah, it's really not hard. I mean, he was just named just this morning a second-team All-Pro. Went to the Pro Bowl. Ultimately, I think you still can make the argument that this was a down year for Jair. But, I'm saying just in terms of pure coverage, he didn't seem to be as locked down. Joe Barry and he were certainly not always on the same page. But nonetheless, it's still Jair Alexander. He's still the best cornerback on the team, and there's really not a discussion to be had. Looking at the safety position, I think you've got to go with Rudy Ford. Again, Darnell Savage continued to struggle. Adrian Amos had his injury earlier in the year. So all of a sudden, Rudy Ford just stepped in. The guy who was supposed to be a core special teamer and speed demon all of a sudden could play legit safety. And is probably, if he's retained, if he's signed back, 
not necessarily a guaranteed starter, but he's a part of the equation at the position next year. He had three interceptions. He had a pass breakup. He had an 81.4 coverage grade, according to PFF. Those are great numbers from a guy that you only expected to be a flyer or gunner on your special teams unit. So ultimately, looking at the defense, it's a mix, right? Here you've got a couple rookies. You've got, you've got a couple of your superstars for sure. Jerry Alexander, Kenny Clark. The problem with the defense wasn't necessarily, again, individual performances. We did see mass regression across the entire unit. But the issue seemed to be the cohesiveness of the entire picture. If Joe Barry's truly retained, be interesting to see how they correct that for next year because Lord knows they need to. Thanks for checking out this episode of Lombard Time Brews. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I will be back next week, probably doing some more speculating on what Brian Gutekunst could, should do in this offseason. But regardless, I will be back on Monday for more Packers discussion and content. Thanks so much for checking this out. Have a great weekend. And as always, Go Pack Go.